Hey everyone, welcome back to Contractor Evolution. Money for you and your family and the time to enjoy it. Most evolving contractors want both. The finer details of the picture may change from entrepreneur to entrepreneur. We're all unique, of course, but for a lot of us, our dream life and business is centered around more money and more time. And you can't really savor one without the other. Now, as you've definitely realized already, this dream is impossible without competent staff who can independently solve problems, make decisions, and drive the business forward. Developing leaders within is essential because of everyone and everything needs us, we'll never feel the freedom that motivated us to start our company in the first place. Do you want empowered teams and leaders that execute well without you or a bunch of worker bees who constantly need babysitting? The choice is yours. This is why coaching will always be more effective than bossing. Now, to help us move from boss to coach, we're joined by James Dale, one of our favorite recurring guests. Uh, as you've heard in other episodes, James is Director of Training and Development for Breakthrough Academy. Today's conversation is about situational leadership and how to coach your employees as they go through the three developmental stages associated with taking on a new role or learning a new skill. If you can't develop talent, your business will always run you. This conversation is a little shorter and super actionable. You're listening to Contractor Evolution, where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level. If you're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability, you've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the new breed of contractor from the old school, and welcome to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting. Hey, just before we jump into things, I wanted to let you know you can get the free resources that we talk about in this episode in the show description. So hit pause right now, go download them, and they'll be waiting in your inbox by the time we finish this episode. Hey, James, it's great to have you in studio. Thank you very much. Good to see you again, bro. It's good to see you guys yeah, again. I love it when you fly over and do these things with us. It's, it's, uh, it's always a ton of fun, uh, and we're glad you're here. I want to start with a little story. Um, I'm going to paint a bit of a picture for us. I want your take on it. So listen really closely. Okay. Okay. So actually a little context for the listener before I dive in. Um, I'm going to tell a story about a landscaping business, the story about Chris and Josh, but if you're in a different industry, like you're a renovator, you're a custom home builder, you run a roofing company, you run a painting company, you're a sub trade, whatever, doesn't really matter. Like the salient points of this story are going to relate to your industry just as well. So just kind of like listen from, listen from there. Uh, I'm talking about landscapers, but all of this is, is going to translate well to your business. I promise. Uh, the other thing that I would say is, is what we're talking about in today's episode is developing people. And that doesn't really matter whether you're growing them internally right? You're moving someone up a position in your organizational chart, or you're hiring from outside your posi- outside your organization and bringing them in to fill a new position. So it doesn't matter, but here's a story about Chris and Josh. So Chris owns a landscaping business and um, he has a, like a design and construction side where they're building landscapes. And then he has like a maintenance side where they're mowing lawns and doing some softscape and, and pruning trees and like looking after yards. But uh, he has this guy, Josh, on the, con- on the construction side. Uh, 
He's a really, really competent crew member. He's been working for the business for the last number of years. He's hardworking. He's really reliable. He's upbeat. He's like all the good stuff that you look for. Um, the other thing is that he's very technically proficient. So he knows how to run all the equipment on site. He understands how to set up irrigation systems. He knows how to take a landscape design and uh, and, and then build it properly in a very hands-on way. He's detail-oriented, which Chris really likes. Uh, he, shows initi- he shows initiatives. Um, and the other thing about Josh is that he he has stuck around the business through ups and downs over the last few years. So he's committed, he's loyal. Um, for all intents and purposes, Josh is a young leader inside Chris's business, or at least he's showing the early signs of that. Does that all make sense so far? Yep. Okay. Now, Chris's business is growing and he's thinking of adding a fourth crew to his landscape construction division. And at the same time, Josh is, is starting to outgrow this crew member role. Um, and so it makes a ton of sense to move Josh to, to become a foreman, hire two new laborers, and, and sort of build a crew around Josh. This would increase production capacity uh, for the business. And it also gives Josh the leadership offered opportunity that he's looking for. So Chris does exactly that. He brings on some laborers. He reallocates some equipment in a vehicle. Um, and, and Josh's crew, right, is born. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Three months later, during peak busy season, Josh comes to Chris. He says, hey, man, I am thinking about leaving the company. I'm totally overwhelmed. I am not having a good time at work anymore. And so what Josh basically says is that he feels unsupported. He's in a constant state of stress. The demands of the foreman role are totally different than being a crew member, totally different skill set. He is out of his element. Uh, Josh admits he was a good landscaper, but managing a project from start to finish, making sure that materials arrive on time and in the right quantity, uh, keeping his crew motivated day in and day out, dealing with the constant scrutiny of homeowners, maneuvering around big weather events and delays, and just constantly needing to be on, needing to need, needing to be the one calling the shots, making decisions on sites. Um, it has all this foreman level stuff has him completely fl- flustered and he's wanting to quit. So that's the story. And James, the question for you is this, like Chris, the owner is in a tough spot. Josh, the foreman for now is, is in an even tougher spot. Do you see this happen in the industries that we, that we coach? And, and what do you think is going on here? What's the solution? Totally. So uh, this story is actually, I've heard this a number of times actually, and I don't think it's, I know this is a, this is a landscape example, but I've seen this, it doesn't matter if it's painting, construction, roofing, whatever it is. And I think it's super common. And mm-hmm. this example, it seems like it's a bit of a field role where the person has been promoted to a new role. And I've seen it where that happens, like you said, or someone comes externally and gets put into a position. Maybe they're, they're not maybe ready for it first yeah. or they're, it's new to them. Yeah. And so this is, a, I think, is a very common thing, actually. Totally. And we see it in all departments, too, right? Like, we, we see it in, in sales, where you have someone that really excels as a salesperson, just closing deals, and then you move them into, like, a sales leadership role, right? And, and now they're in, a, they're in a very different environment. You see it in, in office and in production management. It's also, um, yeah, it happens in all aspects of the organization, too. Totally. But from, a, like, a leadership coaching um, development standpoint, what, what's, what's going on in this example? Where, where has maybe Chris failed to understand something or failed to support? 
Well, so I think that maybe Chris, in this example where, and it's, again, it's common, but I think understanding someone's development level, so this is a new position that mm-hmm. Josh is in, but then you need to have the right leadership style for where someone is at at that development level. So again, in this example, he was really good technically you know, in his role before, but now he's got all these new responsibilities that are brand new to him. And so he's, he's, getting, he's being put in a, in a tough spot. James, you're talking about like the difference. So you're talking about the difference between Josh's ability to set up an ir- irrigation system yeah. versus schedule his crew. Yeah, again, I think it's pretty common where you, you know, you, someone who gets promoted who is really good at like maybe a, the trade or the technical yeah. skill, and now all of a sudden they're saying, hey, on top of that now is lead the crews, set customer expectations, the scheduling. And so all those are new. And so the development mm. level that, that Josh is at there is, is very new. And so it has to, you need to lead that transition appropriately. Yeah. 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 Even though that person is the same person and they're, they're a smart guy. Like Josh is a smart guy. He's a stud. Yeah. He's a stud. Yeah. 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 I, I think that's actually the risk. You, this guy is a, is a total beast at this role. Therefore, like you assume, hey, you know what? I'm going to make him a foreman now or in a sales example, I'm going to make the salesperson a sales manager now. And they they flounder because, you know, like we say all the time, what got them here won't get them there. Totally. That's, that's basically what's happened. Totally. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, just in broad strokes, like what is the solution? So the solution is you need to understand where that person is developmentally in that new role and then you need to apply the right leadership style to help that person through as they develop in the new role. And we're going to break this down. There's there's three developmental levels that that an employee or a staff member is going to go through as they start a new role, take on a new task, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're going to break down each one, how your leadership style needs to change through each. But just from your guys' like, like perspective and experience in business, what do you stand to gain or lose if you don't solve this? If you're just kind of cavalier about it and go, you know what, I, I, I'm just going to like throw people into the mix and the good and like the cream will rise to the crop and people will figure it out. Um, like what's wrong with maybe adopting that approach when it comes to developing your people? Well, I think the first one, this example, you can see that I think that you could lose Josh in this example. So one is, there's going to be a retention issue. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if someone is not feeling success or they're frustrated or they have low confidence, they either could quit or move on or, or you're going to lose that, that, that person. And I think another huge thing of why this is important is if you are able to develop people, it allows you to scale the business if you choose to. And just your quality of life is, is vastly improved if you've got people who are dialed into the roles, are able to do the roles really well. Because if you don't work on this, it's going to come back to you ultimately. On the lifestyle thing, this was especially true is, is if you can get to a point where you can get people to take on responsibility, like to take on more responsibility, that's really, I think, the key to lifestyle and where you see so many entrepreneurs get stuck in that like rat race and that carousel mm-hmm. of just like... We're, dealing with the same problems year after year after year. And where we've, we've seen some that show this pattern like six, seven years in a row. It's because they haven't been able to successfully get people to take on more and more responsibilities so that it's not all on their shoulders. I think totally. is, is, is huge. And another foundational, I think, realization to this is that 
in this kind of industry that's super labor driven, your job as a leader is really to optimize the performance of human labor. Right. Really. Like that's when you really boil down like the definition of a leader in this kind of industry, the, the, the tactical strategizing maybe isn't as important as it is in some other industries. Mm-hmm. Cause it's, it's such a, um, a game of optimizing human labor and getting people to really succeed. You're selling people's well-organized time for yeah. money in essence, right? It's a great definition. And I think um, a lot of our listeners probably have this dream of running a business one day where they can do it, you know, a lot of it from the computer. They can take off and go on a fishing trip on a Thursday if they if they if that comes up. They can take vacations. They can they, they're not attached by they're not attached like to their business like every single hip. day. <laughs> yeah, by the hip essentially. It's like they're Siamese twin where it's just always there. They're stuck to it most of our listeners would have this vision in their mind where it's like, I want to feel insulated from my business. I want to feel a layer of distance between me and the, and the day-to-day operations of it. Yes, fires are up. Yes, things happen. But there's people, there's systems who can deal with that besides me. And so I, I just would say before we dive into these three developmental levels, like this is fundamental to achieving that dream. You will never, ever, ever have that unless you become a really good coach, a really good developer of people. Totally. Do you guys agree? 100%. Okay, so let, let's dive into these three levels. What is development level one? So development level one would be when the person, the employee is, has low competence in that role, but high commitment. Low competence, high commitment. What, what do we mean by that? So what I mean by low competence is like, you know, in this example, he's in a new role, foreman, a foreman role or a crew leader role. His ability or his skill or his knowledge to run the job sites, manage the customer expectations would be, would be low. Yeah, he's not, he's not very good yeah, at it. He's not very good because yeah. this is his first time doing yeah. it. But the key, to, the key thing that, that I think is the, is the highlight here is it's for that skill. It's for the new skill, the one that they're moving into. So whether they're promoted internally or whether they come from the outside, it's what you're moving them into. So even he might've been super competent on running certain you know pieces of machinery or installing irrigation systems or whatever. Uh, it doesn't mean that, that this person is competent in like job site planning for multiple people. Yeah, totally. Yeah, like there's so many things now that we're asking this person to do, right? Like job site planning, managing customer expectations, managing maybe inventory or materials, yeah. ordering materials. So their competence is low in those yeah. things because yeah. it's the first time doing it. Yeah, so I, you're, you're, you're not judging, like you're not looking at saying, and Josh is a competent employee or an incompetent employee. You're looking at the skill set that you're trying to move them into and saying, and I think even as you're listening to this right now, think of some of the people that you're struggling with and ask like, what is their actual objectively speaking, what is their level of competence in the things you have them doing? I have always said the only way to get good at something is to suck at it for a while. Yeah. Like, like it fundamentally, it doesn't matter if you're learning guitar or managing crews or, or trying to yeah. speak Spanish, like you're, you're going to be bad at it for a while. But one thing that you said a second ago that I want you to explain in more detail is like commitment is high while he's, <laughs> oh, it's, I don't want to be mean to Josh. He's, he's kind of a shitty foreman still. He could get better, but right now he sort of sucks. His commitment's high. He's super motivated. Why is that? Like, why is he, why is he excited about this? Well, you know, especially at the beginning, you'd be given a new role. Like it could be like, Hey, I, you know, I have a new title. 
I'm driving the truck now. I, I maybe I've got a new uh, increase in wages. Yeah. And or also new you to the company. Pr- yeah. Or, or you're new to the company or you want to prove yourself right in this new role. So your motivation and your commitment and your uh, at first is going to be high. Right. And as a leader, it's, it's important to, you know, take advantage is the wrong word, but like lean into that. Like you have this person, you have some clout with this person, you have some trust, you have their excitement. Take advantage of that while you can. And they're like, you know, big eyed and bushy tailed. They're like, James, yeah. like, I want to impress you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, to your point, like, it's not you're taking advantage, but like, that's, a, that's, a, that's on, that's a, a huge opportunity for you. So, um, what is the, uh, not super competent, but highly motivated, what's the leadership style or how do we coach this person? How do we show up for this person? So at the, at, if someone's at that development level, what you'd want to do is use a very directive leadership style. Meaning? So direct leadership style means where you are giving them very clear, I guess, essentially directions of how to do things. So it could be like, this is the order to do things. High direction so they know how to perform that, those new tasks. So it could be checklists. It could be step one is this, step two is this, step three is this. So it's just making it super clear for the person so that they know how to do it. There's like explicit instructions for everything. Explicit instructions. And, and it could be where, again, don't forget their comments is low. Their, their motivation or their, their to, to do it is high. So they'll be very open to that at that point. And they want to do a good job why is it so important to because what you're saying is like you're not giving them a ton of lateral space they don't have a ton of like creative room to come up with their own stuff you're really it's pretty top down do this not that do follow these steps steps. yeah Yeah. like it's it's pretty um rigid but and you're saying that's a good thing at this early stage Why, why is it such a good thing when they first start well and this is my experience too i find that people actually yearn for that at first like they want to know like how do i do this and again we're assuming again and the, the correct assumption is this person doesn't know how to maybe manage inventory or plan a job out on a crew level level so for them they're they're excited to like what do i need to do and so for you to give them those steps and follow this process is extremely important so like if we're just doing a little bit of a forensics here on this example with chris and josh given what you just said and and josh being upset three months in likely what's happened tell me if you see this a lot chris goes hey you're forming now we're, i'm going to give you this we're going to take one old truck from this crew you can have it you know, here's a small cat, here's a skid steer, here's a small cat, like here's some, here's some equipment, here's some shovels, here's some wheelbarrows, here's like three jobs for the next couple months, go nuts, uh, call me if you have any problems. Like he totally like d- sort of overloaded him, dumped a whole bunch of stuff and then disagreed. Yeah. He wasn't there to give the explicit- And didn't give the tools necessary to, yeah. to do it. He wasn't, sta- he wasn't there being like, hey Josh, this is how you do a job site as like assessment at the beginning of a project to analyze risks. This is how you mm-hmm. hold a crew meeting. This is how you do an initial customer walk around. This is like, he wasn't there for that stuff. Totally. He was yeah. just sort of left to figure it out on his own. What I see is this behavior. I'd, I, the best word for it, I think is it's super assumptive. Like you just, you make these assumptions right. that like, he's a smart guy. He's been able to, you know, figure a bunch of stuff out. He'll figure this out. Like it's just, yeah. you're very quick to jump to these like assumptions assumptions where you've not sat down and thought through, okay, but how do I know that he is competent at, you know, uh, giving customers daily updates? And I, and this is a great point. Like 
to this, to what you just said, there, I could like there's three of us right now. If I said to you, if I said to both of you, hey, do a good job with the customer or run a good meeting, each of you might do that completely different, right. or your like what you think is a good for that. So you could give really clear directions of how to do that, right? Any like big like uh, like pitfalls or mistakes or things that people need to be aware of when they're working with a, a new staff member in developmental phase one. I think the one thing I would say is this, is if you can think of like this role specifically is you probably want to break the role down a little bit because, you know, you're asking them to do multiple things. Mm-hmm. So you probably want to give them direction, quite clear direction in the different aspects of the role. So here's how you run a toolbox meeting and right. give them like an agenda and like steps Right. And then same thing, here's how you do customer expertise. So it's not like you want to probably be quite directive in the different elements they're, they're now new at. But it's super, it's super specific what you're saying. You're not like, hey, like I really need you to get better at being a foreman. <laughs> you're like, you're saying, hey, I've noticed you're like awesome at keeping your guys motivated. You're super upbeat. You communicate, you give them, you know, pats on the back when they need it, but you also give them a kick in the ass when they need it. The one thing you are really struggling with are like these quality control inspections, like at different stages mm-hmm. of the project and especially at the end, you're missing details um, when we do these really, really important inspections. And what that looks like is like, you know, the customer comes and finds it and we kind of, we, you know, we, yeah. we look unprofessional. And point you're saying is like, you don't just, you don't give them like holistic feedback on the entire position. You're giving them super, super specified feedback on elements of the yeah. position. And, and the interesting thing is, I mean, fortunately and unfortunately, that does take time. You got to sit and you got to think about it, right? And if you're just running around like super busy, it's, it's hard to do that. So this is, this is one of these things where you got to be able to almost like sit down with a piece of paper and a coffee and break down different aspects of the role and think at like, where are they at here? Where are they at there from a competence perspective? Um, a really good analogy to this one, Benji, I know we sometimes talk about this industry just because it's, it's so clear as an analogy is, is with, with, with pilots and flight. Right. Um, and that industry is really well controlled for obvious reasons. Um, but if you think about like, if you're evaluating a pilot, their technical abilities, let's say to do like pre-flight checks on like the mechanical systems after starting an airplane are totally unrelated to their, let's say ability to communicate with air traffic control, mm-hmm. right? Like, like uh, as they're, they're cruising around taxiways and stuff, it's like totally different skill sets. So you're saying this guy's like, well, he's a competent pilot, but there's so many different aspects to that role. You have to look at them individually. Business is multifaceted and you need to look at it as such blanket statement feedback is pretty difficult to implement generally speaking. Yeah, 100%. I'll give you a really blunt one in contracting. Or you say someone's an amazing sales guy, so good with customers, he can he can make deals happen, but like the administrative side, the CRM's a mess. There's no tracking anywhere. Like you have no idea what's going on. Like are they successful? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, they're mm-hmm. going to cause a mess. Right? So it's anyways, there it is very multifaceted. It's good. Okay. So development uh, development level 1, uh, low competence, high commitment, give them a super 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 directive style of leadership. James, what's development level two? So development level two is where the, the, now the person has some competence and some commitment. So they've maybe been in the role for a while now and they've got some experience. They've got some, they've improved some of their skills. They've had some wins. They've had some losses. And also they've probably, their, their motivation is probably, maybe fluctuating because they've, you know, the, the, to what we just said before, there's been some things they're doing quite well at, some things they're not doing as well at. Could it have gone down? 
it could have gone down. Yeah, the commitment would probably have gone down because if you can think and about commonly. it. Commonly, right? Because, and I think it's a good point because at, when you first start something, you're like, you're super excited to do it. And then you get in the role a little bit and you, you know, you could maybe, your commitment could start to regress a little bit. Yeah. You're not as <laughs> bright eyed uh, and bushy tailed anymore. Learning Spanish yeah. things actually more yeah. difficult than I thought. Yeah, totally. yeah, yeah there, there's more. Is, yeah, because yeah, you've had, you maybe get kicked to the face a couple of times and yeah. got your butt kicked a little bit. And now you're like, my motivation is not as high at first, right? Yeah. The shine has worn off of yeah. that new like foreman badge and your yeah, face yeah. is dirty. And you're like, okay, this is yeah, pretty yeah, hard. This is, yeah, this is kind of sucks actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was going to be easier. Yeah. Okay, so, so but, but okay, maybe a little less motivated. They are more skilled. They've learned some stuff. They're not all the way there, but they've learned some stuff. What do they need um, as a leadership style or a, or a coaching style? So at this stage, you want to be more, instead of being super directive, it's probably more of like a coaching, supportive leadership style at this okay. stage. What does that mean? Like, what, what, like we, we say the word coaching support. We say that a lot. Like, can you just speak in concrete language? What does that actually look like in development phase two? What are you doing as a leader? So at this stage, you wouldn't be like giving them clear directional time because it, they, they probably got to the basics now, but it's more like, I guess it, it, the examples are like, how do you think we should do this? Uh, what do you think we should do here? How'd that go last time? Any learning here? Uh, how can we be better next time? So it's more almost like partnering and asking good questions to get them and kind of working together to kind of find the solutions now. And a lot of questions. A lot of questions more so. It's mm. much, much more directive. It's not as directive as before, but now it's more like, because they've got some experience like, hey, what do you think we should do here? What do, what do you think we should do here? And then maybe you would add to what they're doing or what mm. they've said, because you still have some, maybe some advice you can mm. give them, but you're definitely involving them more now in the process. It's a good word, working together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How do you think we should go about this? Yeah. Exactly. So you're not totally like you're not telling them. So they're not out of the picture, but you're not out of the picture either. You're not just like, go do it. You're like, how do you think we should do this? And then say, say some stuff, but you can also say some stuff. Totally. Yep. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the time it would be, I, I've heard, I've heard it described like this where you, um, you know, your learner in this case, Josh comes to you and says, Hey, like, how do we do blank? How do we, Hey, you know what? The customer is like actually wanting to make a change to the plan right? Like, how do we do this? And you as the coach, you just say, well, I don't know. How would you do it? That's a great way to do it. It's like, just, what do you think we should do? What do you think we yeah. should do? And then let them riff on that. Let them think creatively. They may come up with a great solution. They may totally not. But the point is, instead of giving them the answer like you would have in the last phase, you're getting their brain to start thinking about what they could do. And it stimulates, um, it stimulates growth. It stimulates a new part of the brain and they start to come up with conclusions, come up with answers themselves. I guess the, a greater way to capture this is like ultimately as a leader, you want your people to be more resourceful. Yeah. So you want them by, by asking those questions and getting them to kind of like think through and have their suggestions, they're able to come up. And sometimes, you know, they're actually in the field and seeing the project. They actually might have better solutions than you. Yeah. And you don't want to be the bottleneck. Yeah. So, so in the example we're, we're going through, like jo Josh, maybe like has, has a huge, uh, there's like two days of rain on site and they're at, they're at a stage in the project, but they really can't work in wet weather. Josh comes to Chris and goes, Hey, like we have got two days here off the schedule. Um, what do we do here? Chris would go, 
you know what, Josh, tell me what you think. And Josh goes, well, I think I'll ask the guys to maybe come in on Saturday and Sunday when it's supposed to be dry. It's going to suck. They have to work the weekend. But we talked about that earlier in the year. It should be okay. And then we're going to have to work a little bit of overtime next week. I'll make sure that I set community. I'll like communicate and set expectations with the customer to make sure that they know the project is going to be done maybe two or three days later than we thought because of this weather event. And Chris and then Chris goes, yeah, okay, like sounds good enough. Go try that. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's yeah. Or, yeah. or he's like, those are all awesome thoughts. You should do all those. Let me give you two more important things that you didn't think about that are pretty crucial in this too. Okay, yeah. write those down as well. So I think like I, I'm I'm seeing I'm seeing it clearly now. Like less motivated, but a little bit more skilled. What this person needs is a bit more room to solve problems themselves, but not not too much yet. And the best way to do that is just ask them a ton, a ton, a ton of questions. Do you see any pitfalls or mistakes made by leaders in this stage, James? I think this is a stage that a lot of people can basically skip. They could be like super directive Mm -hmm. or just be like, hey, go do this. And without any kind of follow-up or any kind of checking or any of that partnering. So I think people could skip the stage too quickly, which which is a really critical part of someone's development right so okay so, so you're basically saying like uh a business owner will, will will have someone new and they'll they'll just say at the beginning okay so like when you're scheduling your crews and your project and you're organizing who's doing what and day one day two you do it like this like this like this like this okay you got it okay makes sense i'm out of here yeah and then you're just gone and then you just skip all that coaching supportive stage totally. as they as they're getting better and better at the role yeah, so you told them with- once you overloaded them and then you just left them to it yeah yeah Absolutely. Okay. A good analogy. I re, um, Benji on this. I just want to throw this in real quick. Prior to recording here, we we're talking about Benji um, to about James's two little boys. It's just you're, what you're. I guess kind of saying is like you're teaching a kid to ride a bike. The first stage, you're you are calling the shots for them so they don't fail. So it's like they've got training wheels on; they can't fall over because you're there, right? Like you're you're calling the shots. Second stage, you take the training wheels off so you want them to start riding on their own, but you're there if they start to fall over. To catch them. It's an awesome analogy. And actually, exactly, you're there as a guide. It almost yeah. as a guide as they're, as they're still progressing and learning that new yeah. skill. Yeah, so they're there. Hopefully, he's riding up right on his own. But if he goes to fall, like he misses some crucial steps in his process, you're there to kind of catch him and put it back straight up. Totally. Cool. cool. Okay, so that's, that's uh, level two. Moving into development level three, uh, what does this one look like? So this is development level three is when someone's highly competent, and they're highly committed to the role. So they're, you know, at this point, they've been in the role for a while. Their ability, their skill has increased over time. They probably had a lot of wins. They started to figure the role out because of those, those, those that that work you've done prior. And now their their competence and their commitment is high. They're skilled and they're motivated. Yeah. They're actually like, you could say they're feeling themselves a little bit. They've yeah. got some swagger. Yeah. They're like, man, I went through a lot, but I figured some stuff out. You know, in the Josh example, Josh is going like, no, like I'm a, I'm a good foreman. Yeah. Like I think I got it. It's like, this. I get it and I feel good about it. Totally. I get yeah. it. I want it. Um, and I'm assuming, you know, going back, like the training wheels are now fully off. Like what's, what's your coaching <laughs> style uh, when, when someone's in, in level three? So at this stage, uh, the, 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 the right leadership style will be more delegative. And that's where you're basically letting them make the calls and, and, and they're the ones responsible. And now you're kind of step back. And now that's the point where you can delegate. 
Yeah, you can you can you can give them like complex tasks. You can like give them three projects in a row and say like communicate with the schedule, communicate with the customers, manage the schedule, make sure materials come in, make sure your crews show up. Like they they have the capacity to take that on now, whereas before they didn't. And it's like you've turned over the responsibility completely mm-hmm. to them now, and it's almost like the, the the conversation would be like, "Here's the project. Let me know when you're done." Which is in the, funny enough in the example, Benji, to what you're talking about with 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 Chris, the business owner, and, and Josh, the employee that's moved into a new role. It, what we commonly see is that Chris just goes straight to this. Mm-hmm. Yep, because Josh is a smart guy; he'll yep. figure it out. Yep, totally. And yep. he and and he might like in some instances if Josh is really committed and has no other yeah. has no other options, he might just grind it out, and and you might get lucky, but that is so far from a best practice we're not advocating it at all like if you if if you if you do that and you just skip level one you skip level two and say here's your little form and badge and Mm -hmm. figure the rest of it out you are going to lose your people such a good point man what you're saying there because what you're really you're right some people could figure out the role but you're maximizing your chances by kind of being more intentional and like helping the person develop over time. Yeah, like you hire or you promote 50 people over whatever span of time, five might be in that camp that will. And on the other 45, it's going to flop. And do you build a business that way? Not really. So this becomes like a core part of the way that a, a successful entrepreneur develops people. When people are fully, fully into development level three, what are some of the mistakes that that leaders make with when their learners are here? I think one that could be quite common is that if someone is at this development level three stage, the leader is still micromanaging them or being very highly directive with them still. Right. That would, that would piss them off. It would piss them off. As a leader, you're still in development level one. Like you're treating them as a direct, like you're being directive with them. Like do this, do this. Step one is this. Step two is this. And And they're they're like, like, dude, I got this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like you've totally misdiagnosed where they're at. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. that, and that, and you could lose people that way as well. Oh, totally. If you're a super competent person and you feel like you have someone breathing down your neck, it's like, yeah. that's not good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's important to let people rock when they're truly ready. Okay. I love it. So, so just to recap, like level one, low competence, high commitment, you're really motivated, but you're not very good. Simply put, uh, development level two, is some competence, some commitment. You've you've skilled up a bit, but you've you've been kicked in the face a few times. Your motivation is maybe less. Development level three. This person is feeling themselves. They're confident in the role. They're enjoying their new. Uh, they're enjoying their new position. You're off to the races now. Here's I, I want to close on this question, James. Some listeners are probably hearing this and they go, yeah, 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 that'd be like awesome, but I'm really freaking busy. You have no idea what I have on my plate. Like I would spend time with these people if I could, but like there's just too much going on right now. They're going to have to figure it out. What would you say to that? That's a great question. I think it's, I think a lot of people would be thinking that. And I would say you got to, someone you got to pick your battles. Like you could do the upfront work and kind of think through this and help your team through some of these stages. And you could do that and invest in them and then have higher retention, higher productivity, able to scale your quality of life. You could choose not to do that and you may be losing people quicker, have that revolving door yeah. go through. And I would say, and this is, you know, as a leader or as a business owner, 
your ability to lead and develop others is probably one of the, the biggest things you can do to work on and one of the highest leverage things you can do. Mm-hmm. ROI. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah. Another way to put that, I think is sometimes the fastest way, the best way to go fast is to go slow. Right. Um, one of the things that's really front of mind for me in, the, in these kind of issues, and there are others that are similar, kind of a similar paradigm in business where you're just like, man, I just don't have time for all this. Um, what I, what always gives me a lot of peace on this is just understanding and respecting that there's a natural law of how long stuff takes, mm. right? It's like, even when you're smart, even if you hire smart people, it still takes time for people to learn stuff. It just does. And another law very related to this is that there's a certain amount of time in a day, in a week, everyone is governed. You and I are governed by the same amount of time we're given in a day, in a week, in a month, whatever. So have comfort in that. Like if it takes this amount of time, that's how much time it takes. And and you can only go that fast. So don't try to go three times faster, totally. right? And I think for some reason, there's this, I mean, there's a whole other conversation, but there's this like rush, like we need to get here. I need to get to like 40 people or I need to be at 50 staff and I need to produce this much because no, you don't. Like yeah. where are you going? Yeah. And it's like, would you rather have 40 untrained yeah. kind of semi kind of skilled people or like 25 dialed in people? Totally. And you will get to the 40, but it might take you five years and that's okay. You've got a long career. Like where are you rushing to? Nothing's an emergency. No, like do we look like ER surgeons? Totally. As our (laughs) guest Ryan Stewart says, nothing is an emergency. Just seems like it is. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I think that's as good a place as any to close it. Uh, James, thanks for doing this, man. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Good times. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of Contractor Evolution. Uh, If you've already subscribed to our channel, consider sharing this episode with another contractor who you think needs to hear it. 